I'm going to throw a curve to you this morning. I want you to look in the book of Judges, the book that we're covering on Sunday night. We're going to be looking in Judges this morning and tonight. We'll get back to the discipleship next week. But we're talking and looking at uh, a situation that we need to look at as a church and our country. In chapter 1 of Judges, I want you to turn to that. Regardless of what man may think, God proceeds at his own pace in all things. We need to remember that. The principle of sowing and reaping belongs to God. He determines the timing, not us. As a result, people might face immediate rewards or immediate consequences for their actions. Or they could go for years with no evidence that their actions are making a difference either way. All we really know for sure about the cause and effect principle is that God is watching. He's taking notes. And that means about everything that we do. Everything that we do as a nation, everything that we do as a church, everything that we do as individuals. And everything will be settled up eventually. Some things in this life, others in the life to come. But ultimately, nobody gets away with anything. We may think so. We may wonder where God is at times. And no good deed will go unrewarded. It's impossible for us to know when we might experience the consequences or rewards of our actions as a nation, as a church, as an individual. All we know for sure is that they are coming. And once again, our best bet is to set a long-term course for character and wait for rewards to manifest themselves. The moral rise and fall of the United States and Israel stand as a divine reminder against the backdrop of history. Unlike an individual, the moral cycle of a nation can span generations. But ultimately, a nation reaps what it sows. The nation that adheres to, lot, to the uh, absolutes of God's word reaps the benefits. And the nation that abandons them suffers the consequences. Here in Judges 1, the community of people had experienced God's deliverance as they experienced a deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. You remember back in Exodus, God delivered them by way of Moses. They experienced his providential care in the wilderness as he took care of them all those years. 
And they experienced his power in giving them the land of Canaan. As he told them, go in, but you must possess it. And I, it is your land. In other words, he had given it to them. In Judges, we experience the community that had gone into the land, the community of people, but they were about to experience natural or national disaster. The disaster was not limited to one or two military conflicts, but to many battles that lasted over a period of 350 years. The Old Testament looks upon it as a dark days in history. Grim harvest. What caused a nation who witnessed such wonders to soon become a nation of disaster? Who rapidly deteriorated and incurred God's great displeasure? Why did all of that happen? We're told in Judges 21-25, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Even though much of their behavior was obviously evil, as we'll be looking at the book on Sunday nights, the nation rationalized their actions. And this is very important. They rationalized their actions and justified what they did as being right. Israel became a permissive society. A society without standards, without the, the, uh, the rights and the wrongs. In America, we can say that we are a generation that has, in, in a large part, rejected God's absolute standards. For example, Arnold Toynbee, historian, stated that of the 22 civilizations... Appearing on the state of world history, 19 of them collapsed when they reached the present moral condition of the U.S. In 1973, Dr. Carl Menninger, excuse me, wrote a book entitled, Whatever Became of Sin? The well-known psychiatrist, since the loss of old-fashioned morality in unrestrained permissiveness of modern society and expressed his alarms. Dr. Paul Saltman, once professor of biology at the University of California in San Diego, declared, we must demand not just of scientists but of every human being on this earth that they begin to understand that we cannot replace the Ten Commandments with the first Ten Amendments or with Ten Principles of Physics and somehow come out whole. We have to demand that each person begin to understand the nature of the values and words and ethics by which he or she lives in society. And finally, Dr. Stephen Muller. Once president of John Hopkins University asserts, 
Failure to rally around a set of values means that we are turning out highly skilled barbarians. Society as a whole is turning out barbarians because of the discarding of value system it was built on. To restore its lost value system, America would have to return to its faith in God. There can be no value system where there is no supreme value that transcends man's natural self-centeredness, where one man's values are esteemed as good as another. Wow. Is there any hope? Well, though judges speaks of national disaster, it also provides us with models of individuals who faithfully served God in dark and ugly times, like Deborah, Barak, not the president, Barak, the, mention, the one mentioned here in the Bible, Gideon, Zephthah, and Samson. Even the book of Hebrews in the New Testament listed some of these Old Testament characters who walked by faith in their times. The men and women were not perfect, yet they were used by God. These men and women not only challenge us to walk by faith during our days of trouble, during our days of darkness, during our days of difficulty, but they also give us hope. That even with our limitations and our failures, God can use us and use us in such a way that we can have an impact on society. And he's doing that in many lives today. But as we look at the opening chapters of the book of Judges, we see that they're not happy ones, as we would hope, after the book of Joshua. When wars of conquest were still in the making, Joshua, knowing the dangers the people still face, earnestly warned that continued obedience to God's commands was essential if they were to live in the land under his blessings, under God's blessings. Joshua's last act was to lead the people of Israel in a sacred ritual of covenant renewal by which they pledged to fear and to follow the Lord God in Joshua 24. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've heard that used in, in, uh, at ceremonies, in marriage ceremonies, many times. With one voice, the people said, return in voice back to him. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So here in the book of Joshua, man, it's leaving us with a, an exciting time, a, a good uh, uplift here. So the Israelites in Judges, we will look at in just a moment, return to their homes and, and uh, experience great victory and, and uh, great uh, times of festivity and, and peace and, and joy and, and all of that. No, that's not the case. We would think so, but it's not. The next book, Judges Here, reveals uh, that instead of victory, there was defeat. Instead of conquest, oppression. Instead of freedom, bondage. Instead of uh, progress, decline. Instead of unity, 
disunity. Instead of a song of joy, there was a sob of sorrow. And the reason for this contra contrast was instead of obedience, there was disobedience. Instead of faith, there was unbelief. What can we learn from this? We can learn that God is just calling us to obedience to Him. And that obedience requires faith. Now it came about, it says, after in uh, Judges, after the death of Joshua, that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? So, uh, as we look at this, the book of Joshua begins with the death of the great leader Moses, a shepherd, a legislator, and the book of Judges opens with the death of uh, Joshua, a military conqueror, a spiritual leader. Each death marked the end of an era, the wilderness wandering and the conquest in Canaan. And by way of contrast, the death of Moses, uh, Joshua was uh, already trained and ready to guide the Israelites, whereas Joshua's death, with it, there was no single godly leader who was available to take his place. The void of strong leadership constitutes one explanation of the instability of the judges, period. Another factor contributing to this instability was the continuing presence of pockets of resistance in the land. For though Joshua had done his job well, much territory still remained to be possessed. It says in Joshua 13:1, You are old, God speaking to Joshua, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. The boundary lines for the uh, tribes of Israel had been determined years before. But the people had not fully claimed their inheritance by de defeating and dislodging the entrenched inhabitants of the land. And we are told occupation of the conquered territories began in Joshua's time in Joshua 24:28, And it continued after his death for a while according to Judges 1.1. But it, is, it was no doubt the influence of Joshua's last inspiring address, uh, address that moved the people of Israel to ask, well then, who shall now go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Who is there? We've seen it in the past. Who is there now? So we start with a strong beginning. But it ended with a partial success. Look at the uh, power that they had to face in Judges 1 through 7. It's, it's the Canaanites. It said, Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up before. Or, uh, Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And that's very important to remember at the last that he had, he had told Joshua when he came into the promised land, before he died, he told them and he told Moses that the land is theirs, but you must take it. You must inhabit it. You must possess it. And here he's telling Judah, 
continuing on with it. Then um, he says, I have given the land into your hand. But it didn't mean that he was just to sit back and do nothing. He had to go up and claim it. He had to go up and, and win the conquest. And so then Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted me and we may, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And in turn will go, and I in turn will go with you into the territory allotted you. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into, the, into his hands. And they defeated 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him. And they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And Adonai Bezek fled. And they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to gather up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. So they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Now I want you to look at some things there. The Canaanites, of course, is used in broad senses and in specific senses throughout the book of Judges. And here it's in, used in the broad sense. And he called up Judah to, uh, to lead in this fight. Judah is the most numerous and powerful of all the tribes. And their success was to encourage the other tribes. And in Judah's selection, it li there lies a great principle there for good leadership. Those who have developed a reputation. You who are here who have developed a reputation of being faithful in the Lord. He had certain, or that tribe had certain prowess, skill, expertise. And had been given uh, positions of prominence. And they should be ready to set an example for others. This is what God is letting them know. And we should too. They should not neglect the Lord's counsel. Initially, Judah and Simeon enjoyed great success in their military campaigns. With God's help, they won a de decisive victory at Bezek, near Jerusalem, defeating an army, it says, of 10,000. And the Canaanite leader, Adonai Bezek, was captured and then mutilated, rendering him unable to use weapons in the future and disqualifying him from royal service. God had promised Judah that he would give them the land if they went up and fought. His covenant was true to his word. And as they were obedient, it, it was theirs. All they had to do would fight and God would take care of them. But they had to walk by faith in the Lord. God told his people earlier in Deuteronomy, drive the Canaanites out of the land. Those who refuse to go, put them to death in Deuteronomy 7 and also in chapter 20. While Judah merger with Simeon made sense because they were from the same mother and they were right next to one another. 
their maiming of this king was not. The eye for an eye was not theirs to do here. God did not ask for vengeance with the Canaanites. Only to rid the land of them either by driving them out or exterminating. Judah ignored God's guidance partially and embraced the guidance of the Canaanite culture in their treatment of the prominent prisoners. Now what does that say to us? That says that they edited they edited God's command. Do we ever edit God's command? Do we ever put in what we think? It says something and then we'll explain it out and say something else. To make us feel better. So often we play with sin or the temptation that so often leads us to sin. We hang around with it or we let it hang around with us and it, it, may, it, it ends up causing us to compromise and by editing God's command. We don't do what God says. Get rid of it and get rid of it completely. Now I'm going to pause for a moment. What are some things that maybe trouble Christians, maybe not you, but trouble Christians, that we should get rid of and get rid of completely? What are they? Name one. I'll name one that men and young guys and older guys have problems with a lot, and that's on the internet and that and TV and everything else, and that's pornography, right? What should we do? You say, well, it's in every movie. Well, it says get rid of it and get rid of it completely. What else? What what? What causes us to stumble and, and fall today? I want to tell you, men and women in marriage, this is one principle that we need to adhere to and teach the younger generation. We need to be very careful what we do with other people, especially if it's of the opposite sex. Well, they're, they're my confidant. They're my prayer partner. They're, they're, they're the one that I share with. They're my accountability. No, 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 no. You do it with another woman. You don't do it with another man. Uh, you don't do it with a woman and a man or a man and a woman. You put yourself in those situations, you're just asking for problems and difficulties. What else? Who we hang around with. If we're hanging around more with lost people 
And we should witness to them. I'm not talking about not witnessing to them. Boy, should we witness to them. But if we're doing and going and, and, and being the places that they are and doing the things that they are and being a part of that, what should we do? We should break off with it because sooner or later that is going to pull us down. Why? Well, I'm strong. Yeah, you may be strong right now, but the more you hang out with those and you, the more you're around that and you're not around Christians, then you will fall. Believe me, you will fall. Another thing is, and this is not a temptation, this is not what we shouldn't do, but this is what we should do. We think that we can, we're always looking and we're always asking for victories today. And, and, oh, I want the principles. I want you to tell me step one, two, three, four in how to overcome something. And that may be fine, but I want to ask you, do you do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven during the week in your studies do you get into the Word of God, diligently get into the Word of God, asking the Holy Spirit to tell you what the passage is saying, learning the Scripture, putting it all together, and allowing the principles that God has for you, laying within the Scripture, to speak to your heart during the week? Osmosis. We act off of osmosis. Well, it's just going to happen, I guess. We need to get into the Word of God. And we need to tell and teach our younger generation this. Because defeat is at their doorstep just as it is at our doorstep if we are not in the Word of God. You see, their, their problem here was they went up, they obeyed God, but they partially obeyed God. They edited God's command. We can do all we want, we can think all we want, we can say all we want as far as, well, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, this times have changed. Times have changed. They've gotten worse. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have TV all over the world. They didn't have all the things that are just right at our doorsteps like we have today. They didn't have the advertisements and they didn't have the other things we are bombarded with. This is why. We must take the land. We must take. There are, Satan, every time we have victory, every time we gain victory, we, if we're not careful, will be like the judges as we'll be talking about. We will look at what we've had and rest in where we are. And as we rest in where we are, and we let up on our Bible study, we let up on our sincerity in prayer, we let up on 
you know, our, our sh- uh, serving the Lord, uh, fighting off temptation in the, by the grace of God, uh, you know, and, and all of this and depending upon God and walking by faith moment by moment, instead of that, we want to take a break. And as we take a break, then we'll be lulled into another break. And then we'll be lulled into another break, and pretty soon we're not studying the Word of God anymore. We're not praying like we should. And we're not living the way that we should. And we think that marriages should stay together just because the preacher says, Do you? And you say, I do. Do you think that's going to hold a marriage together? Do you think that there's going to be, you know, that it's going to be smooth riding and you're not going to have any problems anymore? Any difficulties? We need to teach one another and teach our children that. That possessing the land means that you tear down the stronghold, get rid of it, that's in your life, and then replace it on a daily basis with the Word of God. You remember in Matthew, we'll come to this, in Matthew, the parable that was told about the house that had a demon, it was cast out. You remember that? I think it's in chapter 8, we'll come to it, uh, verse 45, something like that. And he swept it clean, clean house. But what happened when he swept it clean? He didn't fill it up. And that vacuum was there. It was just empty. Clean house. Felt good. What happened? That demon said, oh, look at that house. It's empty. Clean. Mm, Man, we can go back and get it all dirty and party and get down. So he got seven more. Came back. It was in worse shape than it was before he cleaned it. That's our lives. Once we ask for forgiveness, once we ask for cleansing, I mean, if we're sincere, our lives have been cleansed. But I want to tell you, that problem, that difficulty, that sin, that weakness, that stronghold's still there. Oh, swept clean, but it'll come back if we don't replace it on a daily basis getting into the Word of God and walking by faith and prayer and study and allowing God to lead us. Realizing that there is a war going on out there. We talked about it last Sunday. We're not on a cruise ship we're on a battleship and we're not going to be home until we go to be with the Lord this is enemy territory people so you see what happened here are we in our churches in the habit of editing God's Word. Have we got into that practice? 
editing his command to make it be more comfortable for us. If we have, we're no different than they are. And we're in danger of losing ground. They became powerless, as we'll talk about later, before the enemy. Why? Because what they were exhibiting to the other countries was, we're doing the same thing that your God tells you to do. Cut off their fingers, their toes. Instead of, our God is awesome. No more. I'm driving it out. Let's bow our heads and pray.